0: and laughs theater of the mind the best love programs from radio's golden age only on zoomer radio now here is your master storyteller frank proctor well thank you and
1: good evening as you no doubt have noticed our miss brooks is a personal favorite of mine I've given you chapter and verse on Eve Arden and Gail Gordon, who played Mr. Conklin, so tonight, background stories of some of the other players. Now, how about Richard Krenna, who played Walter Denton, the squeaky-voiced student who often gave our Miss Brooks a ride to Madison High in his jalopy. He was an American motion picture, television, and radio actor, and occasional television director. Following high school, Richard Krenna served in the U.S. Army during World War II, serving in the infantry as a radio man where he saw combat in the European theater at the Battle of the Bulge. Crenna also served in the Pacific theater decoding Japanese intercepts. Richard Crenna got his acting start on radio. In 1937, he had gained his first role, that of the kid who did everything wrong on Boy Scout Jamboree, a show on which he continued to appear occasionally in numerous roles until 1948. In the following year, he started playing Walter Bronco Thompson on The Great Gildersleeve and played it until the show's end in 1957. He appeared as a delivery boy in My Favorite Husband, episode Liz Cook's Dinner for Twelve, was Oogie Pringle on a Date with Judy episode, The Competitive Diet, and several other episodes from the show, and as a teenager on the George Burns and Gracie Allen episode, Watching the Neighbor's Daughter. From 1948 to 1952, Richard Krenna played Walter Denton on Our Miss Brooks and remained with the cast when they moved to television. With the 1948-57 TV series Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden underwent a change in format, Richard Krenna's character Walter Denton was written off the series. Richard Krenna starred in such motion pictures as The Sand Pebbles, Wait Until Dark, uh, Body Heat, and The First Three Rambo Movies. Well now let's go back to the time when he was sharing airtime on radio with Gail Gordon, Margaret Davis and her landlady, and uh, Jeff Chandler who played Mr. Boynton and of course Eve Arden. The episode we hear tonight is called Connie Tries to Forget Mr. Boynton.
2: Now it's Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. some people are just naturally shy and retiring. But according to our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, Mr. Boynton overdoes it.
3: Yes, we don't even hold hands when we go to the movies. Except, of course, when I surreptitiously slip him the 65 cents for my ticket. <laughs> even that slight contact could be more romantic if it lasted a bit longer. But the minute he feels a half dollar, a dime, and a nickel, he lets go. LAUGHTER I remember one night I was 15 cents short. That's the hottest time I've had with him in six
4: years. (laughs) After brooding about this stalemate
3: all week, I decided last Thursday night to give him up once and for all, to put him completely out of my mind. It was difficult to do, but once I had arrived at the decision, I stretched out on my bed, turned out the light, and in no time at all, I was peacefully writhing around, shredding my sheets. (laughs) Friday morning, my landlady had an even rougher time than usual
5: trying to wake me up. Connie, wake up Connie. Connie, time to get up, dear. Rise and shine, Connie. Hmm?
3: Oh, good morning, Mrs. Davis. Thanks for waking me. I've got to get to school.
5: What's this? What am I doing with my clothes on? You put them on ten minutes ago when I woke you the first time. (laughs) I should
3: have slept in them. They could use a good pressing. I'll
5: straighten your bed while you get your shoes on. And goodness, what made you take all those face towels to bed with you? Those aren't face towels. That's what's left of the
3: sheet. I'm afraid I had a very restless night, Mrs. Davis. I tossed and turned for hours. Worrying about Mr. Boynton, Connie? Not anymore. I decided to call it quits.
5: But Connie
3: Oh, I know I've said that before But this time I mean it I'm going to forget all about him When did you arrive at that decision? Yesterday After another one of our amorous dates in the park zoo It was terribly disappointing, Mrs. Davis The more so since four or five minutes Seemed genuinely romantic When Mr. Boynton breathed on the back of my neck (laughs) When did you do that? Miley was looking over my shoulder at the
4: monkeys.
5: (laughs) He's a strange man in many ways, Connie. But I'm sure you can patch it up.
3: Well, there's nothing to patch up, Mrs. Davis. I'm
5: just going to put him out of my mind completely. Whatever you say, dear. Now, please put on your shoes and come into the dinette. Breakfast will be ready in a jiffy. You go on ahead. I'll be right in. Oh, gosh, I'm sleepy. Oh, don't take too long, dear. I don't want your grapefruit to get cold. (laughs)
3: Don't worry, I'll be there in a minute.
5: Oh, Connie. Connie, would you like some toast?
3: Hmm? Oh, yes, Mrs. Davis, I'd love some toast. Where is it? Just lift your head, dear. It's under your cheek. (laughs) I can't remember when I've been so knocked out. It was those dreams, I guess. I must have dreamt of a hundred
5: people, and every one of them looked like Mr. Boynton. Well, that's the way it goes, dear. The minute you try to forget someone, he takes over your thoughts completely.
3: Maybe if I read the morning paper, I can get him out of my mind. Let's see what the headlines... Mrs. Davis, look, on the front page, a picture of Mr. Boynton.
5: Let me see. Why, Connie, what's the matter with you? This is the Indian ambassador. (laughs) Well, I should say the American ambassador to India. What is the image of Mr. Boynton? The hair,
3: the eyes. Well, on closer study, this
5: seems to be a much older man than Mr. Boynton. Still, there's a remarkable resemblance. You only imagine there is because of your mental conflict. Don't you see, Connie? One side of your mind is trying to boot Mr. Boynton out, while the other side is trying to lock him in.
3: No wonder it's so noisy in there
5: (laughs) see, my head is just spinning Well, take it easy, dear Remember, the one thing most difficult to forget is what you're trying to forget If you'll cooperate with me, Connie, I'll show you just what I mean With a simple little experiment Just try to forget an object on this table Anything at all Well, the coffee pot, for example This coffee pot? Any coffee pot Now close your eyes and clear your mind Close them tightly That's it. (laughs) Now, Connie Brooks, I command you not to think of a coffee pot. There's no such thing as a coffee pot. No coffee pot at all. Just keep telling yourself you must not think of a coffee pot.
3: No coffee pot. I must not think of a coffee pot.
5: That's right. No coffee pot. No (laughs) coffee pot. (laughs) Now, quickly, Connie... What are you thinking of? A coffee pot. (laughs) I can't understand it. Something must have gone wrong. Try again now. Are you still thinking of a coffee pot? Yes, but it looks like Mr. Boynton.
3: (laughs) The handle is the same shape as his nose. The lid is is the same shape as his head. In fact, the whole thing is... No, no, I'm wrong. It couldn't possibly be Mr. Boynton. Why not? It's percolating. coffee.
5: Oh, somebody's at the front door. Oh, there's the phone. We're a big hit this morning. I'll see who's at the door and you answer the phone honey.
3: Hello? Good morning, Miss Brooks. This is Mr. Boynton. Oh. Just what do you want, Mr. Boynton?
2: I called to ask if you'd care to join me this afternoon. Where? At the Museum of Natural History. They're going to exhibit for the first time a red-tailed
3: field mouse from France. <laughs> Should be very exciting. A French field mouse? That's right. Well, kiss him on both cheeks for me. <laughs> I can't make it. Uh, I don't quite understand your attitude,
2: Miss
5: Brooks. You sound rather unfriendly oh, this morning. Excuse me, Connie, but there's five cents postage due on this cookbook that just arrived, and I haven't a bit of change. Would you pay the postman for me? He's waiting at the door. Oh, certainly, Mrs. Davis. Hold the phone
3: a minute, will you, Mr. Biden? All right. <laughs> I understand Mrs. Davis owes you... yay. What seems to be the trouble, ma'am? Mr. Boynton, what are you doing in that postman's outfit? And how did you get off the phone and over here so quickly?
2: Did you say Boynton, ma'am? My name is McDonald. I'm the new postman in this district. Now, if you'll kindly give me a nickel, let's do... Here's one. your
3: nickel, Mr. McDonald, but please do me a favor. Wait here just one minute. It's very important. Okay. Hello? Are you still there, Mr. Boynton? Yes, Miss Brooks. That's all I wanted to know. Bye. (laughs) Mr. McDonald? Yes, ma'am. Bye. (laughs) Mrs. Davis, why didn't you tell
5: me that our new postman is the image of Mr. Boynton? What are you saying, Connie? Mr. McDonald doesn't look any more like Mr. Boynton than I do. And he's got a thick Scottish burr burr He doesn't have any more Scottish burr than a French field mouse. (laughs) Or an Indian
3: ambassador.
5: Now, now, dear, pull yourself together. You see, Connie, when my sister Angela was being treated for her absent-mindedness, I learned quite a bit about psychiatry. Well, what has that got to do with me? Just this, dear. As a result of your decision to break things off with Mr. Boynton, you are suffering from a combination of visual and auricular hallucinations. You see Mr. Boynton's face on other people because you want to see it. You hear his voice because you want to hear it. All this may be lightened to a mirage. You see what I'm driving at? Exactly. You're trying
3: to tell me that I'm perceiving objects which have no foundation in fact. I'm experiencing sensations which have no actual external cause and that I am, in general, blowing my cork. (laughs) Oh,
5: it's not that bad, dear
3: Not that bad When everybody I see looks like... Wait a minute Why don't you look like
5: Mr. Boynton to me? It doesn't work that way, Connie Familiar faces don't change It's new ones that assume his identity most readily But don't you worry, dear I've got the best remedy in the world for your trouble What is it? Diversion I'm going to give a big party here tonight We'll invite the Conklins, some of your students, and by all means, invite Mr. Boynton. He should help you forget him best of all.
3: Oh, no, you don't, Mrs. Davis. I appreciate your giving me a
5: party, but if it's just one of your schemes to bring Mr. Boynton and me together... No, nah, no, nah, don't be silly, Connie. If you don't want him to come, that settles it. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. Well, of course. If the party doesn't do the trick for you, you can always see Dr. Friedkin. He's the analyst who took care of Angela. <laughs> got to school,
3: but spent the whole morning like someone in a dream. Reality seemed to return when I stood in front of the steam table in the school cafeteria and set some lunch on my tray. Hello, Miss Brooks. Hello, Mr. McDonald. I was just about... Mr. McDonald, <laughs> how are you doing at school? Shouldn't you be delivering the U.S. mail?
2: Miss <laughs> Brooks, I'm Mr. Boyden. What have I got to do with the U.S.
3: mail? Or the U.S. female, for that matter. <laughs> field mouse from
2: France. Well, now that you mention it, I heard this morning that the exhibit's been called off. The French field mouse never got here. Seems there was a strike and the boat he was on couldn't leave port.
3: You mean he was too chicken to swim? (laughs) If you'll excuse me, I promise I'd join Walter Deathman at his table.
2: I, uh, I really don't understand why you're giving me the cold shoulder today.
3: If my shoulder is cold, Mr. Boynton, it's only because somebody blew a big chance to warm it up.
2: I don't quite understand that either.
3: Well, maybe some of your companions at the zoo could explain it to you.
2: Uh, now, look, if there's something I've done that I... Uh, why are you staring at me so strangely, Miss Brooks?
3: Oh, I was just wondering... Mr. Boynton, do you have a twin brother who's a postman or an Indian ambassador?
2: Of course not.
3: Do you have a twin brother who's a coffee pot?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Never mind. Uh, you really must excuse me now. Uh, but Miss Brooks. Bye, Mr. Boynton. Hello, Walter. How's everything? My
6: cup of happiness is
3: slopping over. <laughs>
6: Here, uh, let me set your trade out for you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, if I may make an
3: observation, you don't seem in a very good mood for your party. I haven't seen you smile all day. Oh, don't let that fool you. The only reason I'm not smiling is because I'm miserable. <laughs> don't ask me why, Walter. It's extremely personal.
6: Well, as a matter of fact, while I was changing classes, I saw Mrs. Davis driving by and... She stopped to tell me that I should try to cheer you up because you feel so miserable over Mr. Boynton that she's throwing a party tonight to help you forget him. (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: what I say. It's personal.
6: (laughs) At least
3: my trying to forget Mr. Boynton should be personal, Walter. Now that you're in on it, I hope you'll keep it to yourself. Oh, don't you worry, Miss Brooks.
6: Only a blabbermouth would spread around a thing like that. (laughs) Say, there's Harriet Conklin. Oh, you don't mind if she joins us for lunch, do you? Well, I... Get Over here, Harriet. Hi, Walter.
3: Hello, Harriet.
6: Oh, hi, Miss Brooks. What's this I hear about your trying to
3: forget Mr. Boynton? <laughs> where did you hear that, Harriet? I said, where did she hear that, Blabbermouth? <laughs>
6: Miss Brooks. But Harriet will keep your secret. You can depend on that. Oh, you certainly can, Miss Brooks. Gosh, the cafeteria is awfully crowded today. Do you mind if Daddy and I have lunch with you? Oh Well, Harry... Over here, Daddy. Mm.
3: Hello, Mr. Conklin.
6: Hi, Mr. Conklin. It's always a great honor to share our festive board with the beloved principal of our beloved school. In fact, no other personage on earth would be more welcome to our beloved... Oh, Oh, festive-
2: shut up. <laughs> Go and order my lunch, Harriet. All right, Daddy. I see you've finished your lunch, Denton. And so, as the Latin saying goes, Omnium deriosum nihi You yeah,
6: Meaning what?
2: Get lost. Laugh.
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. See you later. So long, Walter.
2: Uh, now then, Miss Brooks.
3: Yes, sir?
2: What's this I hear about you trying to forget, Mr. Boynton?
3: I don't know. What's this you hear about me trying to forget, Mr. Boynton?
2: I don't know. What's this I hear about you trying to forget?
3: We're in a rut, sir. (laughs) Frankly, I don't care to discuss my personal life. As my principal, you're empowered to question me only on those matters which are pertinent to school business.
2: Uh, This does concern school business. You're supposed to spend six hours of every day in your classroom, Miss Brooks. And yet most of that time, I see you in the hallway, galloping after Mr. Boynton like a hopped-up gazelle.
4: (laughs)
3: Uh,
2: If you really intend to forget him, therefore, I can look for an improvement in your work.
3: I can only assure you, Mr. Conklin, that not only is there absolutely nothing between Mr. Boynton and me, but there's going to be less. Good. Evening, the Help Me Forget Mr. Boynton party was about to begin with some strange people whose names Mrs. Davis was trying to help me
5: remember. Some of the guests had already arrived. I'll go set the table, Mrs. Davis. Oh, uh, thank you, Harriet. Now, it's going to be a wonderful party, Connie. Let me see. Mr. Conklin is bringing Mr. Abernathy. Walter Denton is bringing a pal from Clay City High. Chester Pruitt, I believe his name is. Then there's Mrs. Foster. Mrs. Foster? A friend of mine who works at the beauty shop. I've been wanting you to meet her for months. Now, uh, is there anyone special that you forgot to invite? Just the postman. I can't get over how closely he resembled Mr. Boynton when I met him this morning. Even his voice was the same. I told you, Connie, you created such a violent mental conflict when you decided to forget Mr. Boynton that your eyes and ears played tricks on you. If you'll call Dr. Friedkin, my sister's analyst, he'll explain it to you in a minute. Well, I'm hoping this
3: party will be all the medicine I need to make me forget that Mr. Boynton never existed. Miss Daddy is so hungry, he said he could eat his weight in cold cuts. Well, I'm not going to cook a moose just for him. (laughs) (laughs) He'll have to be patient, Harriet. Is Mr. Abernathy with him? Oh, not yet. He stopped at the store for something.
5: But Walter and his pal Chester Pruitt are here... Cute boy! They're playing marbles on the rug. Yeah, that.
3: <laughs>
5: but you ought to go in and chat with your guests, Connie. I'll finish preparing dinner.
3: All right, Mrs. Davis. Hello, Mr. Conklin.
2: When do we eat?
3: <laughs> well, you'll probably eat while I'm carrying dinner to the table. Uh, it'll just be a few minutes, sir.
2: Oh, I suppose that's Mr. Abernathy at the door. I'll, I'll get it.
3: Yes, sir. Well, how are you tonight, Walter? No, just fine, Miss Brooks.
6: Pick up your marbles, Chester. Miss Brooks, this is Chester Pruitt.
2: Pleased to meet
3: you, Miss Brooks. Whoops! (laughs) Oh, come now. What sort of a gag is this, Mr. Boynton? Mr. Boynton? No, no, this is Chester Pruitt, Miss Brooks. But he's the image of Mr. Boynton. That is, to me, he resembles him very much, but then... Uh, Would you move your feet a little, Miss Brooks?
2: I want to look around the floor.
3: Wait a minute, I've got to get this straight
2: Please, Miss Brooks,
3: I haven't got all my marbles You You haven't got all your marbles (laughs) If I were in the army, I'd be out on Section (laughs) 8 Look, Mr. Boynton, Chester, how old are you? I'm
2: 14, but I'm going on 15 I think it was real peachy keen of you to let me come over tonight
3: I think I'll go lie down. If you boys will excuse me... Oh, hold
2: on there, Miss Brooks. I want you to meet a friend of mine. This is Mr. Abernathy. Oh, I'm delighted to meet you, Miss Brooks.
3: Huh? (laughs) Wait a minute. You can't be Mr. Abernathy. You're Mr. Boynton.
2: Mr. Boynton? Well, that's quite a compliment to pay a 70-year-old man. (laughs) Boyden is a young biology teacher at Madison, Fred Well, bless you, Miss Brooks If I had my new dentures with me, I'd bite you
3: <laughs> Excuse me a minute Will you get the coffee, Connie? Not now, Mrs. Davis Walter, take a good look at Mr. Abernathy Okay now take a good look at Chester Pruitt. Now give it to me straight. Does either of them resemble Mister Boynton? Not in the least. Uh huh. Mrs. Davis. What is it, Connie? What's Doctor Friedkin's phone number? <laughs> I'm ready for the couch. What's that, dear? Never mind. I'll look it up. Oh, come on, Miss Brooks. I'll help you get the coffee.
6: You know, you seem kind of unsteady on your feet, Miss Brooks. But don't worry, you'll feel better
3: after you eat. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'd better take this coffee pot here and oh, I'll... Oh, not that one. That's the one that looks like Mr. Boynton.
4: <laughs>
3: Come again? There's no time to explain now, Walter. I've got to look up Dr. Friedkin's number in this phone book. D-E-F-F-F-A-F-E-F-L-F-R-F-R-I. Into the living room, Walter. The kitchen
6: is just for us girls. All right, Mrs. Davis. Just trying to help. Oh, hi, Mrs.
5: Foster. Good to see
3: you. F R I E D. F R I E D K
5: I N. Honey, I want you you to meet an old friend. Oh. This is Mrs. Foster. How do you do, Miss? Oh, no. (laughs) I'm happy
2: to know you, my dear. Mrs. Davis has told me and my husband so much about you.
5: I leave you two alone and let you get acquainted. See you later. Uh, you'll forgive me for staring, Mrs.
3: Foster, but there's something about your face.
2: Yes, I know, but it can't be helped. (laughs) Beautician or no beautician, I'm not the girl I used to be.
3: That you can say louder. (laughs) I mean, you look so very much like someone, and yet as you stand here in that off-the-shoulder dress... Oh, I'm so glad you like it, my dear.
2: I made it myself. Of course, I don't do quite as much sewing lately as I used to. You don't? No. (laughs) Not since the baby came.
3: Uh, You you have a, a baby? Well, what is it? A girl or a boy? I mean... Is it a boy?
2: Well, my last born is a boy. I have seven all told. heavens, I don't know what I'd do without the diety service. (laughs) But, Miss Brooks, you look rather pale.
3: Naturally. My blood just left for Dr. Friedkin. (laughs) You'll have to excuse me now, Mrs. Foster. I've got to make a very important phone call. If you'll step into the living room... Uh, But
2: I don't know any of your guests, aside from the Conklins and Walter Denton, Miss Brooks. Uh, Could the phone call possibly wait until you've introduced me to the others?
3: Well, all right. Follow me. Mrs. Foster, this is Chester Pruitt.
2: Hello, Chester.
3: Chester, Mrs. Foster.
2: Hello, Mrs. Foster. Mrs. Foster, Mr. Abernathy. Hello, Mr. Abernathy.
3: Mr. Abernathy, Mrs. Foster.
2: Hello, Mrs. Foster.
3: Well, now that you've all met yourself... Oh, just a minute.
2: Just a minute. There's one you haven't met, Miss Brooks, in the baby carriage right behind you.
3: Baby carriage.
2: I took the liberty of bringing the baby with me. He's only six months old, and the other children are a little rough with him. Uh, the little doll playing with his rattle. I'll lift the hood back and let you see him, Miss Brooks. Here we are.
3: Oh, what a beautiful little bear.
4: Goo goo. <laughs> oh no,
3: Doctor Freekis, Doctor. Dr.
5: Friedkin! Connie! Dr. Friedkin! Connie! Wake up, dear. Hmm? Connie! Oh,
3: what do you want, Mrs. Davis?
5: Mrs. Davis? You'll never get to school if you keep dozing off in that chair, Connie. It's almost quarter to eight. Mrs. Davis, has Mr. McDonald been here yet, the the new postman? What are you talking about? Our postman is still old Mr. Fitzgerald. He's been with us for years. Well, the party, Mrs. Davis. What about the party you were throwing to help me forget Mr. Boynton? I don't know anything about a party, Tommy. You must be... Oh, you've been dreaming. Of course. Now I remember. After you'd gotten dressed, you told me that you were sick of Mr. Boynton taking you to the zoo so often. Then when I went to the front door to let Mr. Boynton in, you must have dozed off again. He's waiting for you in the living room.
3: Mr. Boynton is? Excuse me a minute. Mr. Boynton? Uh, Mr. Boynton?
5: Here I am, Miss Brooks.
3: Mr. Boynton, do you have any plans for this afternoon?
2: Uh, No, I haven't.
3: Then will you take me to the zoo,
2: please? But, Miss Brooks, we've been to the zoo practically every day this week.
3: I like it. I like it.
2: Brooks starring Yvonne and France Bride, was produced and directed by Larry Burns written by Joe Clemon and Al Lewis with the music of Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Bob Rockwell, and Gloria McMillan. Be sure to be with us next week for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
1: Stay tuned for Lights Out, up next on Theatre of the Mind. You're listening to Theatre of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. In the fall of 1933, NBC writer Willis Cooper conceived the idea of a midnight mystery serial to catch the attention of the listeners at the witching hour. The idea was to offer listeners a dramatic program late at night at a time when the competition was mostly airing music At some point, the serial concept was dropped in favor of an anthology format emphasizing crime thrillers and the supernatural. The first series of shows, each 15 minutes long, ran on a local NBC station, WENR, at midnight on Wednesday starting in January of 1934. But by April, the series proved successful enough to expand to a half an hour. In January of 35, the show was discontinued in order to ease Cooper's workload. He was then writing script for the network prestigious Immortal Dramas program, but was brought back by a huge popular demand a few weeks later. After a successful tryout in New York City, the series was picked up by NBC and in April 1935 and then broadcast nationally, in uh, usually uh, late at night and always on Wednesdays. Cooper stayed on the program until June of 1936, when another Chicago writer, Arch Obier, took over. And what show am I referring to? Well, it's Lights Out. And here is the episode called He Dug It Up. Ironized Yeast presents Lights Out.
7: Everybody.
8: It is... ...later than you think.
9: Bites Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal... ...dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly. So if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays... ...we urge you calmly... But sincerely, to turn off your radio now. This is Arch Obler with
10: quite a cold. The idea for tonight's story, the strange story of He Dug It Up, came to me a few years ago when I was in England, pre war England. I lived in a hotel overlooking a peaceful garden, and looking down into that bit of quiet, I,
9: I strangely thought of death first, Frank Martin with a word. If you're thin and jittery, run down and always tired, if you envy your peppy, popular, successful friends and wonder what they've got that you haven't got, why, maybe it's only more vitamin B and iron. Yes, today's thousands may suffer from deficiencies of these vital substances. Yet when you need them, there's such an easy way to get more of them. Simply take ironized yeast tablets, They're the famous two-way tonic that gives you both vitamin B and iron. So, when you need them, ironized yeast helps two ways to step up your weight and pep and sparkle, your enjoyment of life. Jot that name down now. Ironized Yeast Tablets. And now, lights out, everybody. Everybody.
8: It is a nice day. (laughs) Yes, I agree with you, Mr. Sparrow. It's as nice a day as I, too, have ever seen. (laughs) I remember a day like this when I was about twelve. Mother took me into London to see the King's Palace. that was Edward. And I had on a green suit and (laughs) that. But that wouldn't interest you now, would it, Mr. Sparrow? Funny, I never went back. Less than a hundred miles away, and good I. Good morning, ne- Mr. Eh? Jeffrey. Uh, oh, oh, good morning, Mr. Elkington.
5: Here, Mr. Jeffrey. Oh, kind of late in the season to be planting now, ain't it? Oh,
8: I, I wouldn't exactly say that, Mr. Elkington. Not for what I'm planting.
11: Now, oh, what would that be, might I be asking?
8: A tree, my friend. Oh. A nice, strong
5: catape tree.
8: My son sent it to me all the way from Exeter.
11: You
5: don't say, a talpa tree. Well, now. I say, could I be giving you a hand with that shovel, Mr.
11: Jeffrey? No,
8: no, 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 thank you kindly. I like to dig in the soil, and the exercise does me good. Thank you kindly, Oh, oh.
11: Well, then I'll be off on my business, Mr. Jeffrey. Good, good morning to you. Good
8: morning, Mr. Irkington. Good morning. <laughs> well, it is a good morning. Ah. Uh. The rain certainly softened you up, didn't they, Mr. Crown? Nice and soft. Nice and soft. (laughs) Going to dig you a nice deep hole, Mr. Catawba. Nice deep hole, so that your roots will have a good, firm start in life. Yes, indeed. Ah. Well... That's not the way to act, Mr. Crown, throwing big boulders in the way of my shovel. Mm. Uh, Mighty big stone, too, from the sound of it. Uh, 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 Dig you up, Mr. Boulder. It takes me a week, yes, indeed. Uh, Big stone, all right. Uh keep after it, that's all. Buried <laughs> all these years in the corner of my garden, and I never knew about you, now, did I? <laughs> there. There, that's showing results. Hmm. Yeah. Like an oblong. That's queer. Big flat oblong stone in my garden. pick uh, you up That's what I'll do. Take you up. Yes, indeed. Oh, Mrs. Gracie. Mrs. Gracie. Yes,
11: what
8: is it? Mrs. Gracie, come out here. You've got to come out.
11: All right, all right. Now, what in creation is it, Mr. Jeffrey?
8: Mrs. Gracie, look, look.
11: For land sakes alive, what kind of a hole for a tree is that? Don't see why in the world you... Look,
8: I tell you. Is is it a coffin? Coffin? That size, and not a stone? Then what would a coffin be doing in my garden?
11: I never heard of anyone being buried here. It's much too big. Mr.
8: Gracie, I got it. What? Roman. The Romans left it here. Romans? Don't what? you understand? The Romans, the Romans invaded and lived in Britain over fifteen hundred years ago. They left it here.
11: Nobody like that lived round here and don't you tell me anything different, Mr. Jeffrey. But I am
8: telling you, a Roman sarcophagus.
11: Now, Mr. Jeffrey.
8: Oh, never mind. Mr. Robinson, uh, run over and get Mr. Robinson here. Tell him to bring a couple of men. We've got to dig this thing up.
11: We've got to <clears throat> dig it up? Mr. Jeffrey, it's the sun. It struck your head. Now, don't stand
8: there lecturing me. Mr. Robinson, hurry, get him. No,
11: no, I won't. What? Not to dig it up, I won't. (sighs) To bury it deeper, yes, but not to dig it up. This is... Coffin or one of them heathen, whatever you call it, it makes no difference. If it's been buried here all these years, then I say cover it over and let it be. There's some things best left deep under the ground.
12: All right. All right, men. Are you ready with the ropes? Uh, Ready, Mr. Robertson. Right, you are. How about you, Joe? All ready, Mr. Robertson. Good. Now, when I give the signal, one, two, three, you on that side of the rope, pull, while you on the other side, work on the block and tackle. One, two, and up on three. Have you got it? Mr.
8: Robertson, you will be careful. I I mean not to damage.
12: Now, look here, friend, Jeffrey. I've been in the building and excavating trade and constable of this township for 20 years. And all that time, I've given only one thing, and that's satisfaction. sir. Yes, yes, yes. Now, as for this little stone container... Little huh?
8: Judas priestman is it's ten foot by three, and heaven knows
12: how heavy. Well, true as that may be to my way of thinking, it's still a small job. If you're worried about my damaging it, you're free to call in one oh, of no, my competitors.
8: No, 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 Mr. Robinson, I want you to handle the matter. Oh, yes, yes. All yes, right, yes. then stay clear, and I'll give the order. Now, wait, wait. If you please, Mr. Robinson, wait. Yeah. That housekeeper of mine, Mrs. Gracie, hmm? she wouldn't want to miss the doings, and I don't know where she's gone off to. If, if now, Mr. Wait... Jeffrey, I'm a busy
12: man, so if you'll we'll stand aside. Oh, no, please. All right, men. Now, don't pull until I get the signal. One, two, three. Up with it. Up. Easy there, Joe. Single rope the left. Up with it! Up
8: with it! Uh, uh, steady there! Not too fast, you fool! Dad, you're ready to put on right easy now! Joe. No, 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 don't, don't, don't swing it too high! Not too high! Are you dead? Not too high, or is it No, no! Put it back in the ground!
11: Put it back in the ground, I tell you! Mrs.
8: Gracie, what did the get way? Put it back in the
11: Mr. ground! In the ground Mr. it was Mr. and in the ground it belongs! Get Mr. Jeffrey, I'm going get out of the way! You. Jeffrey, get that woman out of in the way! In
12: the ground! Mrs. Gracie, are you crazy? You crazy Easy, old woman, and get away. My men can't hold The, it's the tackle is slipping. Look out. Look out. <laughs> get on those roads, fools. Oh, get on those ropes. Lift, lift, hurry
8: now. Mother hey. in heaven, it fell right on top of her. Coughing fell right on top of her. Oh, Mrs. Grace.
9: Ladies and gentlemen, I I think you'll agree... when an ancient stone coffin buried for centuries in a peaceful English countryside... becomes an instrument of sudden death... it's time for a deep breath and let our well-stretched imaginations move back into hope again... as we turn our thoughts to something that perhaps is your problem. Could this be you saying to your children...
7: Listen, you kids, I'm tired. This war job has got me down. Now keep quiet, you hear me? Oh, Joe, don't be so cross to
11: the children... Come eat your good supper and you'll feel better.
7: Cross? Who's cross? I'm tired, I tell you. I'm too tired to eat. I'm too tired to sleep. All I ask is a little peace, and you keep my nerves on edge with your nagging. No wonder I'm getting thin as a rail. Oh,
9: now, mister. Don't be so quick to blame your family or your job. Maybe all that's to blame is vitamin B and iron shortage. You say you're thin and tired and jittery? Well, when you don't get enough vitamin B from the food you eat, you may lose your appetite. You may eat so poorly that you lose weight and lose your pep. Why, you may not even get all the good out of what you do eat. And when you don't get enough iron from your food, you may be weak and pale, feel
7: only half alive. Well, if that is my trouble, can I help it?
9: Yes, sir, I think you can. And here's the quickest, easiest way I know. Take ironized yeast tablets. They're the famous two-way tonic that gives you both vitamin B and iron. Yet they cost but a few pennies a day. And these pleasant little tablets are an absolute cinch to take. So if you simply need more vitamin B and iron, don't wait. Start taking ironized yeast tablets right away, tonight. Then see if pretty quick you aren't saying,
7: Boy, oh boy, I feel swell. Tired? Jittery? Not me. Not put on pounds. That ironized yeast sure is great stuff.
9: Now, back to Lights Out and our story of He Dug It Up. The stone coffin has fallen, and the old housekeeper is dead.
7: Ah, it's a cruel thing, Mr. Jeffrey, Cruel indeed. Yes. Cruel and yet not cruel. For the ways of the divine providence are beyond our poor mortal understanding. Yes, I shall say that very thing over her grave when we bury the poor woman. As you wish, Reverend. Ah, what a day this has been. More excitement in just a few hours in this village than we've had in a dozen years. I wonder now whether... Oh, almost nine. Well, I'd better be getting back to the church. I have to get everything ready for the service tomorrow. Uh, Did you speak to Mr. Carboy about the coffin? Yes. That's good. We'll pay the good lady proper respect, we will. Well, I'll be on my way. Good night, Reverend. uh, One thing more, Mr. Jeffrey. Yes? Uh, I didn't want to speak of it uh, in all the excitement before, but I feel I really should. Yes, Reverend? I know you were in quite an emotional state of mind, but do you feel it was quite the proper and respectable thing to do? I mean, having that Roman antique brought right here into the house, when it, uh, inanimate thing there would be, was the direct cause of poor Mrs. Grace's death. I wanted the sarcophagus in here, Reverend. Wanted it? But what possible use could that great stone sepulchre be to you? Oh, I realize it has certain intrinsic value. After the funeral, we'll get in touch with the proper museum authorities in London and have them take care of it. But don't you see, it wasn't quite respectful of the dead, bringing the very thing in here that had caused the tragedy. Not respectful at all, Mr. Jeffrey. It was what I wanted. Good night, Reverend. Uh, but, Mr. Jeffrey, I. Uh, oh. Um, good night. Um, good night.
8: Disrespectful. Hm. No fault of Mr. Coffin, and she ran under it, calling the proper authorities. I'm proper authority in Roman things myself. I am. Read the whole Gibbon's Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, didn't I? I certainly did. you are, Mr. Coffin. Just where I made them put you. And I did make them, didn't I? Ran right under you, she did. Superstitious old fool. No fault of yours, Mr. Coffin. She's a big one. Let me see. Uh, About ten feet long on this side and, and four this way. Ah. It's a discovery that ought to make history that it ought. Wait for experts, should I? What would the experts do? Cart you off to one of those museums? And there I'd be the man that found you with nothing but a hole in my garden and a new grave in the cemetery to show what had happened. Now, oh, I'd be my own expert, Mr. Corbett. I'll open you up myself right now. And I'll take the blame or credit and no mistake about it. Iron bar. Mm. Mr. Robinson will wonder where his crowbar went. Now, won't he, Mr. Coffin? But we'll give it back to him in the morning. Yes, indeed. Yes. There, there. Got you wide open enough to look inside now, haven't I? Experts. I'll show them. There. There. I can't see Matches there. there now If you don't mind now, Mr. Coffin I'll bend over to see what you've got inside ah. Copy That's Are you there? Are you there? Uh, Reverend, uh, this is uh, Mr. Jeffrey. Yes, 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 Jeffrey. No, 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 no. Uh, listen to me. That Roman sarcophagus, I just opened it. Inside of it, there's something, a woman, and yet. Yet it isn't. I, I mean. all oh, Reverend, come over quickly. You see, whatever it is, I don't think it's
7: dead. You must listen to me. I'm a person of understanding, of judgment. I say, leave it alone. Don't go near the thing until they get here. Now, I phoned Dr. Thompson at the British uh, Museum. He's an expert, expert, a qualified expert.
8: Expert. There you go, experting again. Now, now, now. Now, you, now, you shop on that side, and I'll pull on with this. Yes, there, there, now, That ought to fetch the lid off.
7: Well, it's all against my better judgment. All right.
8: All right. Off with it. do Go. Another uh, 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 open <coughs> it. Uh, <coughs> uh, oh, we've got it over. Reverend, look. Look at her head. Why, what? What in Satan's name is it? lion's head. That's it, a lion's head.
7: Uh, and uh, the body of a
8: woman. And alive. She is alive. Don't be
7: a fool. It, it's a heathen idol,
8: stone. No, no, it's living skin. I'll touch it. I'll prove it. <coughs> It is stone. A
7: blasphemous, heathen thing. We'll cover it up, and in the morning I'll have it buried again. No, no, no. No, you won't. It's fine. Found it on my property. Oh, heaven forgive you. The blood of your poor housekeeper still staining, staining it.
8: Staining it? What are you talking about?
7: Mrs. Grace's blood. See, it's still on it. But.
8: But the outside of the coffin fell on her. This part was closed. But it is blood. Fresh blood. Oh, it can't be, Alfie. Be... <sighs>
7: Mr. Jeffrey.
8: Reverend, that woman, a minute ago I felt cold, stone, and now it's warm.
7: Constable, constable, can't you walk any faster? Oh, it'll wait, Reverend. Whatever it is, it'll wait. But but I tell you, he acted like a madman. Practically threw me out of the house bodily because I persisted... Now, wait a
12: minute, Reverend. Begging your pardon, wait a minute. Me, I don't know a thing about this. I'm sleeping as peaceful as a sheep in the fields when you wake me up.
7: Will you represent the law in this community? Not
12: begging your pardon. I don't know that there's any representing to do. If you get what I mean. But I told yes, you... Yes, sir, that. you told me that the coffin that killed poor Mrs. Gracie... He did.
7: opened it, I tell you.
12: And since when is that against the law? Oh, keep
7: walking, man. keep
12: walking. Begging your pardon, Reverend. I know
7: when I'm walking. Now, now, no. here's the house. Now go in there, go in there and see for yourself. And that's just what I'm going to do, sir. You'll see, you'll see. I demand that you remove the heathen idol by force and have it bedded in the ground where it belongs. I demand... I did, 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 it... Did, uh, hold it, sir. Uh, well... It's me, Mr. Jeffrey. I didn't send for you. I brought him here.
12: Oh, it's you, is it? And now, Mr. Jeffrey,
7: I feel it my duty to. I'm begging your is.
12: pardon, Reverend. As long as you got me out of bed, let me do the talking, if very you well, don't Mr. mind, sir. Well. <clears throat> now, Mr. Jeffrey, I'd like a bit of an explanation. Explanation, my grandmother. Constable.
7: Constable, he slammed the door in our faces. Oh, that
12: he did, but, but what of it? He's broke no law that I know of.
7: Then come, come and see for yourself. Eh,
12: at the window. What? Uh. Glory be. I see the thing now. It, it. It can't be alive.
7: I don't know. I don't know. Stone, and yet it, it was warm to the touch.
12: It better not be alive. Why?
7: Why do you say that?
12: Because, look for yourself. Mr. Jeffrey, he's cutting into her with that bit of iron. <laughs>
8: It was good of you to come in and help me, Mr.
11: Elkington. I'm right glad to be of service, I am. I'm glad to be of service. This is devilish hard rock.
8: Yes, yes, it is. But we've got to break the statue open, Mr. Elkington. We've got to.
11: If you say so.
8: Oh, the the constable and the reverend, they'll be back soon with some new ideas about getting into the house now, won't they? I I suppose so. They won't stop me. They won't. I have a chance to do something before I die. To make a big discovery, I tell you. They, they won't stop me. We'll have the statue cut open before they get here now, won't we, Mr. I uh, will try. I will yes, try. Yes, 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 yes. Cut it open and note secret. Something that keeps that stone warm as if it were place. Uh, it'll be a wonderful discovery now, won't it?
5: Ah, oh, that it will.
8: Uh, yeah, faster, Mrs. Elkington, faster. I'll try, I'll
5: try. <laughs> Crikey, this stone is so hard. Uh,
8: they mustn't stop us. No, oh, no, 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 faster, Mr. Elkington.
5: Oh. Uh,
8: Elkington, why have you stopped? It's my fingers, cramped.
5: I can't open my uh,
8: hands. Yes, I'll give it to me.
5: All right, all right. <laughs>
8: Got to keep working. Got to. I know the secret in you, Lionhead. That's the name I've got to give you a real kitchen, Lionhead. The power that's kept the stone and you warm all these centuries. I've got to know that, Lionhead. And I will know it. have to keep working. I
12: Now, Reverend, Reverend, you can drive a man too far. I tell no, you. No, Constable.
7: Uh, now we'll tell you. Uh, uh, For twenty-four hours, you've been telling the people of this community that the law won't permit you to do this and the law won't permit you to do that. Well, it won't. But we tell you, we won't stand by and permit one of our citizens to indulge in even madness and not do something about it. Am I right, gentlemen? Absolutely right. But, but what can I do?
12: He's in his own home. He's not committing any public nuisance. We've
7: gone over that a hundred times. The fact remains, you've got to go in there and stop him. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to.
8: The hardest stone in the world. They made you, up, huh?
11: Yes. Mr. Jeffrey, I'm asking you, please stop cutting into it. Secret
8: please. of the war. Before any of the others know about it, or they stop me. <sighs> Hark! Oh, what's that? Not to keep working. Eh? That sound, Mr. Jeffrey, what is it? I can't talk to you, Mr. Ruck. It's important work. But, uh, and Mr. Jeffrey, the chisel, why Mr. did you drop it? My, my hand. Like an electric current running through the chisel. Oh, no. No. No, just. Just a weariness oh. in my muscles. Pick up the chisel. Yes. Go on. I. I, yes.
11: I, I think I'm going now, no, Mr. No, 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 you I, stay where you are. No, i stay here
8: until you stay there. If I lock the door for you, they will come in. And I won't let them in before I learn the secret, you hear me? That sound,
11: Mr. Jeffrey,
8: it's like something yeah. burning. Do you hear? It's been getting louder and louder. Well, stop. I've got to find the secret of that warmth centuries of war. Mr. Uh, Jeffrey, it's the constable. I don't care. I don't care. Open up. Open up, Mr. Jeffrey. Uh, you, you won't stop me, you fool. Open up, Mr. No. Jeffrey, in the name of the law. Uh, we've got a warrant uh, this time, good and proper. Uh, warrant? Oh, no, no. Oh, Mr. Warren. Jeffrey, you ought to really... No, disagree. no, 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 no. I, I, I'm almost finished. Go away. Go away. we uh, Professor Thompson from the museum, Oh, no, Open no. up or we'll break yeah. down the door. Mr. Jeffrey, I no, beg of it. No, no. A no. no, no, they won't stop me. But I'm almost through. I tell you, I'm trying to die. i am. broken through to the middle of my statue. Oh, no. I'll find out oh. a secret and no one else. Yeah. My chisel's breaking through. Uh, it's 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 hollow. Breaking through. Uh, in a second, I know. In a second, I... Know. Uh, oh. Help!
12: Somebody help! Uh, oh, oh,
8: oh, oh. Mr. Jeffrey!
12: What, oh, Mr. Jeffrey? Way. He's on fire! He's on fire! All right. All right, men. Quiet down. Nothing oh, more we can do. Mr. Jeffrey is dead.
7: Such a horrible way oh. to die. It was the
12: lantern. Set him afire, I guess. No, 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 it wasn't that. Hey, what say, Mr. Well, well, I, what, what, well, I saw it all. A flame come out of the statue.
8: Flame. You're a man. No, I swear
7: it's the I truth. It. I saw it. Professor Thompson, you you tell him. What did you see as you came through the door?
12: There was a flame from it. What really means But it. how can that be?
8: Flame from a statue? And the Romans went down to Egypt. Professor,
7: tell us what is it? What is this statue?
8: The lioness-headed goddess Segment. Well? And they worshipped her as the goddess
9: of fire. <laughs> <laughs> now, just a second, Mr. Obler, are you asking us to believe that in the year of our Lord 1940 they could unearth a stone sarcophagus containing a Roman fire goddess? ...capable of burning a man to death? Oh, come now.
10: Well, is that any more difficult to believe... ...than that a small Austrian house painter... ...with a comedy mustache could try to burn up a world? You know, Frank, England is an island... ...full of mysterious traces of ancient civilizations. Have you ever heard of Stonehenge? Stonehenge? What's that? Well, it's a strange... ...but I'll tell you about that in just a moment.
9: And ladies and gentlemen, I'll take that moment to remind you... ...if simply because of vitamin B and iron shortage... You're unattractively thin and nervous, unable to eat or sleep as you should, seldom feeling really peppy and alive. Then, for your own sake, try ironized yeast tablets. They cost but a few pennies a day. What's more, they're sold on a money-back basis. Listen, if you don't quickly begin to eat and sleep better, they feel much stronger and livelier. And if you're not convinced that ironized yeast will help you gain pounds of brand new flesh... The cost of the first bottle will be refunded to you in full by Ironized Yeast, Box IY, Rahway, New Jersey. Just be very sure you get the one and only Ironized Yeast, with IY on the package and on each tablet. And now, Mr. Obler, you were about to tell us... Yes, about Stonehenge. Over
10: in England, miles away from the cities, you're driving along, and suddenly as you come over a rise of the road, there are these tremendous archways and monuments of stone a strange semicircle of great stone pillars. Archaeologists say they've been there since prehistoric times, yet there are no stone quarries within hundreds of miles. No one knows how those blocks of stone got there and who or what put them there. These unsolved mysteries from out of mankind's past, who knows but that someday traces of our own civilization will be found, and then a super race of man will ask, were they men, these people of 1943? And now, what happens next week, Mr. Obler? Well, we were talking about a little Austrian house painter before, a Schickelgruber by name. Now, we all know how his warped ideas shook a world. Well, next week's story is about a boy, a college boy who also had a twisted idea, and with it, twisted a universe. The title, Oxychloride
9: X. The time, next week. Yes, Lights Out will come to you again next Tuesday at the same time. Be sure to listen to Arch Obeler's Oxychloride X. And... If you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try Ironized Yeast. The one and only Ironized Yeast. With the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. It is later than you think.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dragnet, followed by Jack Benny. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer is
0: Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.